There are so many new technologies and advancements when it comes to the food industry. Sometimes it can be hard for meat processors to keep up. The Center for Meat Innovation and Technology, or CMIT for short, is a leading research and training facility focused on advancing the meat processing industry in Ontario. The CMIT provides valuable services to the local food processing industry by offering research and training services to support meat processors. Their team of experts is dedicated to helping meat processing facilities adopt new technologies into their current operations. The CMIT's goal is to help local businesses be more competitive on a national and international scale. Meat and Poultry Ontario has been advocating for the need to increase training availability in Ontario and address labor challenges. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Joe. And you're listening to the Farm to Fork podcast, brought to you by Carlisle Technology. Today's topic is on how the Center for Meat Innovation and Technology is helping the local food manufacturing industry. Our guest today is Louis Garcia from Meat and Poultry Ontario. Louis has a vast background in food science, food processing, and best operating practices for today's fast-paced environment. Louis is currently the head of the CMIT and is excited to share the value that is offered to the food industry. Louis, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself and the organization that you're representing today? Hello, Andy and Joe. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be sharing with you some information on what we're doing at the Center for Media Innovation and Technology. So in terms of my uh, background, I went to University of Wealth and got my master's in food science many years ago. I have worked at OMAFRA as a food scientist and a traceability coordinator. Then I went on to Conestoga College in Cambridge, where I was chair for the Institute of Food Processing Technology. And I was also chair for the packaging engineering and the millwright clusters of programs, which gave me a broader perspective on many of the issues that all sectors of industry are facing now. I was at Conestoga for about 11 years, and then I went to Meat and Poultry Ontario last year, almost a year, March 2022, to run their Center for Meat Innovation and Technology. In terms of Meat and Poultry Ontario, they've been around for about 40 years. And our members are independent businesses that can be found across the province, involved in every stage of the meat industry from uh, harvesting to retail. And uh, it's important to know that local butchers are a strong economic driver in urban and rural Ontario. The Ontario meat and poultry industry employs uh, about 25% of Ontario's food and beverage processing industry, which is the single largest manufacturing sector in Ontario. So they are a very important economic driver for the province. Louis, you're saying that you worked for AMAFRA for a while as well too, right? Can you tell us a little bit about like what you did with food traceability? Because that's a big thing for us as well. Yes. So I uh, joined AMAFRA and I was a food scientist and I was responsible for providing food science support to the foods of plant origin unit. So there was another unit that looked at meats and another one that looked at dairy. I was responsible for fruits and vegetables, basically. But the principles in terms of food safety, which is what we were really after, are the same. Regulations are different, but the principles are the same. And I was a food scientist for this unit for three, four years. And then I became traceability coordinator for the food safety programs branch. So I was there again for another three, four years, trying to educate and train, especially small and medium-sized companies across the province on what traceability is and how it can be implemented. Oh, that's cool. 
And then with Conestoga College, it sounds like something similar now with MPO that you were doing it with Conestoga College. Do you want to explain maybe a little bit of the similarities and differences between those two roles? There are so many similarities. Back in 2010, I was hired by Conestoga to create the Institute of Food Processing Technology, which at the time was an initiative between the Alliance of Ontario Food Processors, which is now Food and Beverage Ontario, and Conestoga College. So they collaborated to set up the Institute of Food Processing Technology with the goal to of offering formal training for employees in the industry and develop skilled employees. Very similar to what we're doing now at the Center for Meat Innovation and Technology. It sounds like you have food processing and meat processing kind of in your DNA. So you're kind of the perfect guest for us today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for the background. Very vast portfolio of your education institutions you worked at. Kind of just diving into it. What was the original driver behind the CMIT? Meat and Poultry Ontario has been advocating for the need to increase training availability in Ontario and address labor challenges. In 2021, uh, Meat and Poultry Ontario conducted a workforce strategy that identified key action items to work on, such as recruitment, training, leadership development, and also the need to help companies be more efficient, produce more with less human resources. So to address these and, and other concerns, MPO created the Center for Meat Innovation and Technology. We'll speak about this later, but a fundamental component of this initiative is that MPO or uh, working in collaboration with the University of Wealth. So as I said, very similar to my previous experience at Conestoga, where an educational institution collaborated with an industry organization to set up a, a center to support the industry. So there were several drivers, although they were all interrelated. So the need for training to develop a more skilled workforce, the labor shortage, we know that all sectors of industry are, are experiencing this Food and beverage, and specifically meat, have had this problem for a long time. Other drivers were limited access of small and medium-sized enterprises to technology, robotics and automation, uh, data management, which leads to the need for more technology adoption with industry to remain more competitive or become more competitive. Companies need to be more efficient and produce more with less human resources. These are concerns in all sectors of the food and beverage manufacturing industry, but MPO felt that need to work on a solution that would focus on the meat processing industry. There are other centers across Canada that support the entire food and beverage industry, but there isn't one that is meat focused. So we were created back in March 2022. And from there, we started developing our strategic plan and what our course of action would be. I think I visited you back in the beginning of December. And one of the things I noticed is that the CMIT has a great facility that you guys are using for your training courses. You just have access to a lot of resources. It was almost like a end-to-end -end processing plant compacted into just a few rooms, which was really cool to see. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the facility and the space that you guys are using? That is correct. These are beautiful facilities that are in Wealth, the University of Wealth. They belong to the Department of Animal Biosciences at the university. And believe it or not, these facilities have been there since the, since the 1960s. They have a fully equipped abattoir, a meat cutting room, and a ready-to-eat products room. These facilities were renovated back in 2018 
So they are very well equipped. They meet all regulations. They are actually a federally inspected facility. So they are a CFIA, a Canadian Inspection Agency, establishment, which means that any product that is processed in those facilities can be sold outside of Ontario. So if a company in Alberta or BC wanted to use our help, we would have no issues sending samples back out to BC or Alberta or wherever into the US or any, anywhere in the world because this is a CFIA inspected establishment. So we are using their space to offer training and we will be using it to conduct projects. And this is a great collaboration between the university and Meet and Poultry Ontario. The Center for Mid Innovation and Technology belongs to Meet and Poultry Ontario, but as I mentioned at the beginning, the access to these facilities makes the center unique in that we have so many resources to offer to industry. What would you say like is the big vision? Because I know there was a lot of talk before the CMIT was really kind of hit the ground running. What was the big vision behind developing the CMIT? If I understand correctly, it was, you know, you guys wanted to support the meat processing industry with training courses and kind of hands-on experience to help lift up and support the industry. Is that correct? That is correct. There was a, a big vision that you summarized. But one of the first things we did back in March, April last year was we put together a group of about 10 people from different sectors of industry and our advisory committee. And we sat and discussed what this center should look like, what it should do. And from those conversations, we developed the strategic plan for the center. And this plan has four pillars of work. One of them is called Meaningful Careers, and through that, we want to design career pathways that encourage and attract new people to the industry, therefore recruitment. We want to design training and education courses and programs that support career pathways and current industry needs. That's one pillar. The second pillar is uh, innovation for competitiveness. We um, want to become a hub or a connector to facilitate effective industry collaboration. And I will talk about this several times during this chat because this is very important to us, collaboration. Under the Innovation for Competitiveness pillar, we want to conduct and facilitate what we called applied research projects. So under this pillar, we're not conducting fundamental scientific research. We're trying to use existing technologies and apply them to solve a specific technical challenge that a company might have. And this we're going to do in several areas, such as robotics and automation, any new technologies. We're also going to do new process and new product development. We will support companies in terms of uh, their value chain or logistics challenges. And overall, we want to encourage the adoption of best sustainability practices as well. We want to provide access to expertise, to know-how and equipment on leading-edge technologies. And very important, because of the facilities that we have access to, we want to provide support to startups as well as to established companies, processors or equipment suppliers for their test runs. The third pillar is a meat science research. And it's, it's also very important to highlight that scientists at the University of Wealth have been doing great work for decades at the university. 
and their work is not always recognized by industry. So we want to strengthen the links between scientists or academia and industry. We want to develop more links and strengthen those existing ones. And the fourth pillar is effective partnerships. We want to capitalize on existing resources, skills, and infrastructure. We don't want to be reinventing anything. Wherever something already exists, we would like to work in collaboration with whoever has those resources and be more effective in the use of those resources. We want to work and will work with any company or organization that wants to work with us. And the ultimate goal is to grow a stronger meat and poultry industry. We're partnering with the University of Wealth. We're partnering with other academic institutions, with industry, processors, equipment, technology suppliers, and we also want to partner with different levels of government. So collaboration is key to the work that we are doing and will be doing in the future. I think those four pillars are great. It really paints a nice, clear vision and direction of where you guys want to go with it. And I think that's key uh, when you're first starting out something like this is to let people know, hey, that you guys are out there and this is what your goals are and this is what you're doing for the industry. So that's awesome. So Lewis, thank you for that apt and thorough analysis of the CMIT, the four pillars, more specifically the need that is addressed and provided to the food processing industry. So kind of pining on the labor shortage point that you made. So why is there a labor shortage in the meat industry? And what are some of the internal and external causes that you've noticed that is currently impacting the state of the labor market? Okay, so as you may know, all sectors of industry are experiencing a labor shortage like never before. The food and beverage industry has had this problem for many years, and it has become an important barrier to growth for many companies. And meat companies are particularly impacted because of several reasons. In terms of uh, internal causes, one of the reasons is that there's been no formal training in meat cutting or, or butchery in Ontario for many, many years. Today, Fancho College in London is the only academic institution offering formal training. They offer a one-year professional butchery techniques. So there's been no formal training offered. One of the results of this is that there's little awareness of the trade, let alone of it being a career opportunity. So few people are drawn to it. And then those few that are attracted by the trade, they can't find a place to train. So that's an internal problem within Ontario. Now, as an external cause, competition between all sectors of industry for the same shrinking pool of candidates is huge. We know about the demographics in Canada. The younger population is not as big as it is in other areas of the world. And we have a, an aging population. And the younger generations are more enticed to going to the big cities and working in very different environments than on a farm or on the kill floor for a, an avatar, for example. So it's become very difficult. And these industries are competing against the tech sector and the distribution giants like Amazon. So it, the type of work is very, very different. And uh, we now need to focus on strengthening even the, the image and the perception of the food and beverage industry specifically the meat industry, so that it is portrayed as the real good opportunity that it is as a career option for the younger generations. 
you know, we just actually had a chat with Fanshawe College. That was our previous podcast that we just recorded. We kind of dove into the same topics that you're talking about here on, you know, what's that struggle and why is there a bit of a stigma around the meat industry, especially in food processing? Looked a little bit into the European culture and how, you know, meat cutting and butchery in Europe is heralded and, and doesn't have such a negative stigma or connotation necessarily with it. And so, you know, anytime we hear about, like I said, Fanshawe College or you guys trying to help promote the meat industry and try to show that these are viable career paths that are rewarding as well, too. We love that. So can you tell me a little bit about how the CMIT addresses helps with the current labor shortage? I know, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the training courses, but maybe you want to go into what you guys are doing to kind of promote the meat industry and to grow the workforce for that. So as I mentioned, we're in the process of developing short courses. We have developed some and actually delivered a few already that will hopefully attract new people to the industry. These courses will lead to what we call now micro-credentials that can be used on a resume when looking for a skill job. So one of the challenges that the industry has faced in the past is that these jobs are considered unskilled. They were not looked at as well-paying or skilled jobs. We want to change that by creating these micro-credentials that people can use on their resume and, and show potential employers that they are actually skilled candidates for a position. We're also making a recruitment tool. This is interesting. I had not thought about this until the idea popped up in a meeting a few months ago. We're working with Ontario Tech University, a group of their uh, students, to develop a VR game in meat cutting. The project has just started, but we're hoping that we will have a, a working prototype by the end of this winter semester. The idea is that it's going to be a, a game that will be used as a recruitment tool at high school events such as the skills competition that takes place in Toronto every year in late May, usually, where more than 20,000 high school students come to see these trades competitions. So the plan is we're going to have the game available for them to play and learn a little bit about meat cutting and increase awareness of the trade. And the goal would be if we can gather a few students who are interested, then we will be able to offer them the options of where to go to become a trained butcher. So these are some of the activities that we're implementing to try to attract more people to the trade. That's great. And do you have a time frame specifically on achieving those goals? The VR game should be ready by the end of April, the working prototype. In terms of actually meeting the needs of the industry, in terms of labor shortage, that's going to take years. And so another segment of the population that we want to connect with is all the new uh, the new Canadians coming uh, every year who, for the most part, are looking for good job opportunities. We will be connecting with them to try to attract them to the, to the trade as well. That is also going to take some time. Over the next few years, we should see the impact in meeting these labor issues. When I first thought of the CMIT, I kind of originally assumed that you guys were just targeting businesses and kind of training for businesses and helping them adopt technology. But it sounds like you're also targeting individuals going into career paths and trying to target them and bring them into the butchery career. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. We're, of course, offering training for companies so that their employees can be trained with us. And that is also very important for us. But we're also, I mentioned, doing 
or offering opportunities for training for people that are new in the industry. In terms of achieving goals for CMIT, addressing the labor shortage and having more skilled workforces and ambitious goal that is going to take several years to achieve. We're talking about changing the perception of the trade and the minds, not only of the general public, but also in the minds of young people, teenagers, and very important, of their school counselors. So we need the support from that population as well. And we're not going to be able to do this on our own. We will need government support. And we have had it so far, and that's great. We're grateful for that. But most importantly, we're also going to need industry and individual companies to work with us and get engaged in the process. Because without industry engagement, we it's going to be very difficult to change that. So basically what I'm saying is we as CMIT can launch a campaign to talk about how good this industry is, but we need companies to back it up and also get engaged to show how good they are. Without that engagement, I think it's going to be very, very difficult and it's going to take a lot longer to achieve our goals. I completely agree. I think a coordinated effort from not only educators, organizations, but actually the processors and everyone within the industry to come together and kind of cultivate a feigned vision of the industry being a holistic and positive industry to work within in a, you know, opportunistic and fulfilling career path and aspiration to, you know, go into and achieve. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's a good vision. And the only way to achieve that is through a systemic effort from all parties. Speaking about technology. So Lewis, why do you feel that there is a need for more technology adoption within food manufacturing? There are several answers, but the first one is very easy and comes from the previous topic, the labor shortage. That is not going away anytime soon. So companies need to implement more technology to do more than what they're doing now with less human resources. So the labor shortage is definitely a key driver for more technology adoption. And the other key driver is competitiveness. Companies need to be very competitive to stay in the market, competitive in terms of quality and price. So the small operators in rural Ontario have a niche market and they have their niche customers that come and buy their products. But with economics in the country, things are becoming more difficult and even smaller operators with niche markets need to become more competitive so that they are able to offer the same quality product at a reasonable price. Adopting technology is one way to become more competitive in the market. How do you as the CMIT help processors kind of adopt new technology and kind of understand the technology that's available to them? Doing different things. We facilitate the introduction of new technology uh, by working with suppliers of those technologies and making our facilities available for demonstrations, for example. So we have equipment from technology supplier A, and they want to sell this uh, machine to an operator, but the operator would like to see it in operation before they make a decision to buy it. So our facilities are open for that kind of demonstration. So we're working with those equipment suppliers to do this kind of uh, marketing and and, and sales uh, strategy. We're also open to developing new applications, as I mentioned in the beginning, of existing technologies through projects. So we're looking at developing solutions to very specific technical problems 
using existing technology. And the way we can do this with support from the technology experts, suppliers, but also from academia and specifically students. From my previous experience at Conestoga College, we conducted many projects where um, we would get students from different areas, even uh, completely unrelated to food processing. But they would have a, a mechanical engineering or a robotics and automation background. And we gave them a problem that food processor came to us with. And the students would come up with all kinds of out-of-the-box ideas, not knowing the limitations that foods have. Processing foods is very limited in many things, in many ways on what you can do. But they would come up with lots of ideas. Many were not doable because of these regulations or food safety issues. But many ideas were really good and something that food processing experts wouldn't think of. So using these young, inexperienced minds to solve these problems is, is a great way to develop new solutions with existing technologies. What sort of goals do you guys have at the CMIT in regards to technology adoption? We want to bring the best technologies from around the world to showcase them to our local industry. We are connecting with equipment and technology suppliers, honestly, from everywhere around the world. We attended IFA back in May, made lots of contacts. The word is spreading that we're here, and I believe we're going to become the place where technology suppliers go to to introduce their technologies in Canada, and vice versa, the place where processors go to looking for technology solutions. So we're facilitating that connection between the suppliers and the end users of the technologies. And again, we want to bring the best technologies to Canada and showcase them to our local industry. I know as a technology supplier ourselves, that's certainly interesting to us. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, some of our solutions implemented in the CMIT and have processors get a chance to get their hands on the software applications and the hardware and just see how they'll work. I think there's a lot of value from a supplier's perspective to help support you guys in the technology adoption because the people that you're targeting are the people that will eventually kind of trickle down the line and be looking to use solutions like ours. Yeah, in fact, uh, before CMIT was created, the University of Wealth uh, Avatar was already using your system for the labels. So your system is actually in place in the Avatar. So Lewis, what has the response been to the program within the industry? The response has been very surprising to me. We've had enormous support from equipment and technology suppliers, much more than I would have ever expected. Just to give you an idea of what what I mean, so far we've received about $200,000 worth of equipment under different no-cost agreements. Anything from cleaning and sanitation dosing pumps to a stuffer, a mixer, a dicer, all latest technology that we're able to showcase at the facility. Well, we've received, again, at no cost. And we have other technology suppliers that are still wanting to come see the facilities and want to support us in that regard. So the support we've had, the response we've seen from technology suppliers has been great. It's been very, very good. We've had great response as well from industry processors. They are very interested in what we're doing. They've uh, thrown ideas at us in terms of what we can do to to support them. We've had great response from uh, 
the provincial government, not only of funding, but also of conducting projects with us. We've had great response from other industry associations. So far, it's been very positive, and I'm very optimistic that this is going to be a very successful initiative. Do you have any specific like success stories or anything that you can share with us about the response? One of them is the amount of equipment that we've received. From my previous experience at Conestua College, I can tell you this is something I did not expect. We've had anything from we have to sign an agreement, and we eventually do, and then we get the equipment, to somebody saying, what do you need? And, oh, I, I've got this, this machine here. You can have it tomorrow. So no questions asked, no paperwork, nothing. We just received the machine. That, to me, has been very supportive. I think that's been great. So, Lewis, how have you seen responses from people taking the training courses over the periods of time? The response has been good. The feedback has been very good. We've uh, delivered three courses already, two back in November, one in early January on knife skills, knife sharpening, and also on meat, fresh uh, sausage making. And the feedback we got from students was very good. One of the ways in which we're delivering training is, of course, using the facilities in Guelph. But if the training lends itself to being delivered at the client's facilities, we will do that. So back in November, we went out to Port Perry to deliver training on knife skills. We also went to Brantford to do the same. And uh, we had groups of 15 people in each of the courses, and they were all very satisfied and very happy that they were able to do the training. That has been very positive as well. I think it's a big asset that you guys can go out to their actual site. I mean, it's great that you have the facilities at the University of Guelph, but sometimes logistics don't work out to where somebody can make it to there. So it's nice that, you know, you can be hosted elsewhere and provide the training courses kind of on site at a specific processor's location or something like that. That's really cool. Yeah, we're open to doing that. Of course, it's not easy, depending on the course. But for example, we're scheduled to go up to uh, Bruce Mines at the end of March to deliver training there to an avatar. So when I say it's not easy, it's because we're not just going to be doing knife sharpening, we're going to be doing meat cutting. And to do this, the avatar has to let us use our facility. And that means they're probably not going to be working you know, during the training. So it's not easy for an avatar to shut down the operation while you know their employees are receiving training. Then there's the cost of the meats. What are you going to do with the meats after they're cut? So there are several challenges that need to be considered when doing this. But if the host company or organization is willing to work with us through those uh, challenges, we'll be happy to go out and deliver training at their facilities. Yeah, that's perfect to hear. Thanks, Luis, for the summarization of, you know, really the benefits, what the response has been, and um, just the success stories overall with the CMIT up until this point. So looking at the other side of that coin, you know, every program takes time and it faces trials. So what sort of trials has CMIT faced in its early stages? We are still in very early stages, uh, not even a year around, and we took a few months to do the planning. We're still in the process of building a reputation and building the credibility that is needed for this type of organization. The main challenge that we've found so far is attracting participants to courses that we can offer. So we have been successful in delivering three courses so far, but we could have delivered more. We have had good numbers, good numbers of participants in each of the deliveries, but I know that this is going to be a struggle moving forward. 
I also know that the numbers are going to grow as the word spreads around that it is worth it to train your employees at the Center for Media Innovation and Technology. But that's going to take time. And it's not just a matter of our reputation and credibility. It's also because of the labor shortage, especially small and medium-sized companies, they usually have are limited in the number of people that they have on the floor. And it's not easy for them to, let's say, lose one or two people for a day because they went out for training. It's a logistics challenge. It's a production challenge that they need to uh, work through. So it's not only we building our reputation, it's also processors working through those challenges. I think they're going to do that once they realize that it has value to send their employees for training with us. I think that's natural. Whenever you start anything big like this, you know, getting traction and kind of getting the ball rolling is usually the hardest part. And then, like you said, once the word starts getting out and you start building up momentum, I have no doubt that you guys are going to take off. So I think that it's not unheard of to have some traction issues at the beginning, but I think that's just natural in the way things kind of take their course. So I'm excited to see kind of, you know, what happens. And on that note, where do you guys see the program going in the next five to 10 years? Like what's the vision to see where it's going to be? We want the CMIT to be the leading Canadian meat processing where we power industry collaboration and innovation. Again, collaboration is key to this. We need to learn to work together and do things together. We can still be competitive against each other. We, the level of competition can, can still be there, but we need to be smarter at taking advantage of uh, existing resources and working together. So through partnerships and collaboration, we want to be the place that offers the best training and innovation resources to industry. We want to be the, the go-to place, as I mentioned before, for technology suppliers, but also to processors so that they can both continue to grow and make this a very strong industry in Ontario and Canada. Yeah, so I think this has been a very positive and illustrative discussion today, talking about the drivers behind the CMIT, what are some of the issues from the labor shortage, why technology adoption is important, and how the CMIT is scaling up for the future. So, Lewis, what would be the call to action you would want to present to today's audience? I would say uh, get involved, reach out to me, usually the University of Wealth, but you can reach me through email at Luis, L-U-I-S at meatandpoultryon.ca. You can visit our website, meatpoultryon.ca. We have an industry event coming up on uh, April 19th, MPO's Industry Day. We're going to be there talking about what we're doing, and we're going to have a full agenda of speakers as well. Get involved, connect with us, anything you need help with, or even if you're just curious about what we're doing or how we do things, just connect with us, and we'll explore how we can uh, work together and support you in getting your your company to become more competitive or strengthen your company as well so get involved get engaged thanks so much lewis that's awesome and i'm excited to see where you guys go Thank you so much, Lewis, for taking the time to come on with us for the podcast today and for everyone listening. Make sure to get involved, reach out with Lewis and the rest of the CMI team on LinkedIn, go to the website, make sure to check out MPO Industry Day. That is April 19th and more will be coming out. Thanks again, Lewis. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated.